Wow. I am so excited to be here this morning. And I want to tell you, I have properly prepared for this morning. Amen. And, and, and you know, I don't know uh, who got permission to put this big old television in front of me with the time, but I started to bring a brick and just throw it and break it. You know what I mean? But I'm not going to do that this morning. I'm going to preach. And you know what? The problem is, is that you can distract me from this clock by just saying amen. Amen, because I, you know, you know I'm going to take my time anyway, and folk coming to the next service, I mean, they can wait outside until we get through, can't they? Amen, amen. And so I am so excited. Let me tell you, let me tell you something. If, if I had to choose a church to move in and be a part of, anywhere in the country, I would come to the harbor. That's it. It is so awesome to be here. And I, you know what, whenever, whenever Pastor Steve calls me, I start getting excited about coming here. You know, because, you know, nowhere else I go and speak do I stay at a pastor's house. Amen. I mean, I mess his head up every time and his wife gets to go crazy because I take over it. But anyway, you know, I, I don't have time to give a, a, an introduction this morning because I want to dive right in, uh, because I do know this big old clock is here for a reason, and I want to just simply kind of honor your big clock. Amen, amen, amen. So let me tell you what I wanted to do this morning. I wanted to come, and I wanted to talk about, I wanted to hit a topic that really would hit every person in this room. So it's a broad topic. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak from a very broad perspective. And, and what I thought I would do is, I said, I was asking, how can I hit the family, the marriage couples? How can I hit it? How can I hit the grandparents, the children, the teenagers, the single people? And we have the topic, it's the family. How do we take a critical look at the family? And so what I want to do in the next, amen, <laughs> what I want to do in the next few minutes is, I want to talk about what is God's original intent for the family. That when God created the universe and when he spoke and, and he separated the heavens from the earth and when he created a man by the name of Adam and a woman by the name of Eve, what was in God's mind? What was God thinking about when he created this institution and, and what, had to, what was causing God to tick? And the reason why that's so important is, you know, I really had a mediocre marriage until I really pulled together what God intended the family to be. And I realized that my role was imperative in what God wanted my family to look like. And so that's what I want to do just for a few minutes. I want to say, how in the world do we take a critical look at the family? And I don't want to go to the New Testament and look at the family. I want to ask the question, what, what did God intend it to be? Now, you know I believe in this theology called original intent, right? You remember I talked about it two years ago. I'm going to quickly remind you of it because the family is God's original intent. But you remember when I was here a couple of years ago, I said that Genesis 1 and 2, that's, those are the two critical chapters. I, I personally believe in the whole Bible. They're critical because in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, the world was perfect. Oh, it was just so perfect. I mean, it, can you imagine a bear coming up and just licking you like a little pet dog? That's how it was. The lion would roar, but he would come and rub his face up against your face. God created man and woman, and they, they I mean, they had authority. 
If they said to the, I mean, if they told, said to the hippopotamus, sit, the hippopotamus would just sit. Can you imagine that? It, the world was perfect. And then all of a sudden, Genesis chapter 3 had to happen. Sin entered the world. And, and, the, and, 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 and it totally changed all of the history in Scripture. Amen. Oh, I mean, it did. And so if you look at the Bible, all throughout the Bible, God is trying to get us back to living like he created us to live in Genesis 1 and 2. So all of a sudden when the flood occurs, you know why? God, he took everybody off. He caused a flood. Everyone on the face of the earth died. Why? Because God was saying, how do I get you back to Genesis 1 and 2? Sin continued to reign in the world, and then suddenly Abraham came. God said, okay, I want you to be a father of a nation. I want this nation to begin to live and show the world how to live like I designed you to live in Genesis 1 and 2. And then suddenly, you know, they continued to sin, and then God said, I'm going to create some commandments. I want you to follow the Ten Commandments. But the Ten Commandments, it's designed for you to live like I intended you to live in Genesis 1 and 2. Then the judges came along, and God said, I want you judges to be fair and just but I want you to teach the people how to live back in Genesis 1 and 2. And then God, the kings came along, and God says, you know what, I want you kings to lead so that the people can begin to live the way I intentionally, I intended them to live in Genesis 1 and 2. Then Jesus came, and Jesus says, if we're really going to get back to Genesis 1 and 2, I better deal with the sin issue. And that's when Jesus came, and he died on the cross so that we can begin to live like God created us to live in Genesis 1 and 2. And you remember what Jesus says in Mark chapter 10? when the Pharisees asked him about divorce? You know, did you hear Jesus' response? That's not how it was in the beginning. He's pointing us back to Genesis 1 and 2, how the Father originally intended it to be. You remember in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, they created the church. And the church was designed to get us to live like God originally intended in Genesis 1 and 2. Then the Apostle Paul comes along in 2 Timothy chapter 2, when they had this issue over women leadership. Paul says, it's not no, 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 no. He said, that's not how God originally intended in the beginning. He's pointing us back. And then finally, in the, the last chapter of Revelation, John stands up and he says, there was a new heaven and there was a new earth and a new Jerusalem because the former had passed away. Why is there a new heaven, new earth, and a new Jerusalem? Because God's going to get us to live like he originally intended us to live. Wow. And so the question we have to ask is, how did God originally intend for us to live in Genesis 1 and 2? Why did God create the family in Genesis 1 and 2? That's the question that we must respond to today. And so in the rest of my time, amen, amen, I want to say any controversial issue you deal with, you got to filter it through Genesis 1 and 2. Same-sex attraction. That's a tough issue. God deals with it in Genesis 1 and 2. When the world was perfect, how did God intend it? Then how did God deal with that issue? Abortion. You really want to see how what God says? Go back to Genesis 1 and 2. Be fruitful and multiply. He just, that'd be a quick answer. Be fruitful, multiply, have babies. That's what he originally intended. But even the family. He said, I, I, I didn't just throw the family together. I didn't just simply slap a man and a woman because she's fine. Look at her. I'm going to marry her. It's not what God did. God didn't say, well, man, Adam's got a lot of money. And, woo, I'm going to marry him. We just kind of slap ourselves together without any consideration, and we wonder why we struggle. 
And I want to suggest this to you this morning. If we begin to move and realign our lives back the way God originally intended, we are going to rock this world like never before. Husbands, if you're here this morning, I want you to pay close attention. Ladies, I want to apologize because, you know, for, you know, I'm one of those old traditional preachers. You know what I mean? I do believe that the man is the spiritual leader. He's the servant leader. He is to serve his family. He is to create the environment in his home. He is to set the tone. And I believe if there's a problem in your house today, brother, God's going to come to you. You remember when all of a sudden Adam and Eve committed sin and, and then all of a sudden, you know, and, and so, so Eve is the one that bit the, Adam, the apple, right? Adam kind of blamed her. She did it. <laughs> and so you would think that God would go to Eve, but no, no, God went to Adam. He said, you're the spiritual leader in this house. You set the tone in the house. How did this happen? And so, men, if you are having struggles in your marriage today, you're going to hear me speak directly to you on many occasions because I do believe that you set the spiritual tone. And I want to suggest this, guys, you know, and I'm just telling you from my heart, you might be considering even divorce, and I rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus. You can divorce your wife, but you just didn't make a covenant with a woman. You made a covenant with God. And in the name of Jesus, you get that straight. That's right. You may have a cutie pie on the side. You need to dump her. That's right. So let me dive into sex so I can hear up and give you the word. Is that all right? So, so let's go to the big verse that deals with, you know, uh, the purpose of the family. Now, some of you are going to probably say, oh, that's just so easy. Why is Ricky talking about that? But it's, it's just a few words. Now, listen to what he says. It's in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Listen to this. It's so deep, but it's so good. And listen to what it says. It says, it says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful. And increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it. Now, I kind of threw the extra one in there. Rule over the fish in the sea, uh, yeah, rule over the fish in the, sea, in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. I kind of threw that last part in. The reason why I threw that in is because as soon as God created the family, the first thing he did was he gave man a job. In other words, if you're not working, God commands you to get a job. Anyway, but I didn't want to just, I didn't want to be serious. Amen. No, no, I just threw that in for free. <laughs> Amen. It's not my idea that, that you get a job. It's God's idea. But anyway, so let's look at this. So God gives them really just a few things that, you know, he says, first of all, be fruitful. That's the first command. I mean, notice, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. He is telling you, be fruitful. I believe he's looking in Adam's eyes. Be fruitful. Then he says, he says, okay, now that's the first part. Then increase the number or multiply. That's the, that's the second part. And then he says, fill the earth and then subdue it. That's the purpose of the family. Yeah. So let me tell you real quick, uh, just in a few moments, uh, what I mean when I say this. Man, this is so deep, it's going to bless your heart. Sir, if you're still wearing that toupee that I saw earlier, you may want to put your hand on top of your head because I'm going to blow your toupee right off your head. So let me tell you real quick, no, no, really, this is so deep. So let me tell you real quick, here it comes right here. So the first thing he says is be fruitful. Wow, what theology is wrapped up into that? See, when God commands fruitfulness, he is saying two things. He is saying, first of all, environment. But the second thing he's giving is a how to be fruitful. He says, I want you to create an environment in your home 
that is so fruitful, it is going to be so awesome and so live that this environment, when Eve comes home, she's going to be running and saying, come on, baby. That's what she's going to do because of this fruitful environment. Now, listen to it. There, there's a verse that talks about this fruitful environment. Listen to what it says in Galatians chapter uh, 5, verse 22. Listen to what a fruitful environment looks like. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against us, there is no law. Wow. Can you imagine coming home and you walk and your husband walk in your house and you know you're getting ready to get a house full of love? He sets the environment that there's going to be a joy. Hey! And you're going to like, I can't wait to get to him. And then gentleness, he is so gentle with you. He didn't want to drop you. No, he doesn't. Because God's already commanded him. Oh, he's patient. Oh, can you imagine a pastor? He's there and you make a mistake. Oh, baby, it's okay. And then you know you don't have to ever be on, on, on pin cushions. You know, like you're walking on pin cushions because, because there's peace in your house. That's what he brings. The husband is creating this environment. And then, and then there's goodness and there's gentleness and, and self-control. He just doesn't get angry. Hey, baby, it's all right. Can we just sit down and talk about areas of disagreement? And I want to hear you talk first. I want you to get it all out. Ah, that's right. That's what he talked. That's the fruit. That's what it looks like. And so, so the first command God said is, you've got to create this environment in your house that when your wife comes in, she shouldn't be tiptoeing in trying to figure out which mood you're in or what issues you have, or what kind of day you had at work, or whether or not you came home. There should be this environment that you've created of fruitfulness. And so I know what some of you are thinking. You're saying, well, Rick, that's not in my house. Amen, I believe it. A long time, it wasn't in mine either. But it's only anyway. Uh, 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 I had to learn how to do it. And the script is so clear on how to do it. Let me, I want you to get this verse on how to do it, on how to create a fruitful environment. And this is what Jesus said. See, Jesus, he was there at the beginning, so he knows what it looks like. And so Jesus, he went in and he articulated how to get a fruitful environment. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me you, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Oh, isn't that great? I mean, listen to what Jesus said. First of all, Jesus paints this wonderful picture of this huge vine. Of this, it's like a tree. And what Jesus is saying is, is that, okay, now the vine, it gets its nutrients from the ground, which, you know, is symbolic of God, that God provides all the nutrients to the vine. Then all the nutrients move up the vine, and, then, and, the, and as they move up through the vine, then you have these branches that are coming off the vine, and so the nutrients from Jesus that's going up Jesus, then they go into the branches, and, and as these nutrients move through the branches, then guess what happens to the branches? They bear fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And Jesus says that the only way, man, 
that you're going to ever be able to produce fruitfulness is that you stay connected to me. That's what he says. If you're not connected to Jesus, then there's no way you can produce fruit. You're going to have an unfruitful environment. But if you are connected to Jesus, you will create this fruitful environment in your home and amongst your family. And so can you imagine what that looks like? Oh, every man here says, I got to get. Now, here's the other problem. He says, apart from me, imagine a good storm that comes along and it breaks the branch and it no longer allows the nutrients to get to the branch. Guess what happens to the branch? It dies. And that's when Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. You cannot provide a fruitful environment without Jesus. So, here's my first thing. I want you to hear this, husbands. If you come here this morning, and if Jesus asks you, how is the temperature at your house? How fruitful is your home? Then as you ask Jesus, listen to this, as you speak with Jesus, Jesus is going to come up, he's going to step into you, and he's going to say, are you really connected to me? You see, your problem, if you're struggling in your marriage, is not your wife. It's not her. You can look at all the negative things you want to look at. She's not the problem. Mm -mm. If you're struggling in your marriage, it's not that you haven't found the right counselor. That's not your problem. Uh -uh. It's not that, oh, my pastor won't make time for me and he won't let me come in and talk to him. No, no, it's not the right conference hadn't opened up. No, no, no. You know what your problem is? Your problem is with the Lord. You are immature. You are not developing your relationship with the Lord. You're not growing in your relationship with the Lord. And so let's just keep it real. You have a spiritual problem. Now, see, you can, I'll be standing at the back door. All of you can pay me your $150 because I just gave you your whole counseling uh, 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 session and, and you don't have to go to any more. That's the truth. You might as well pay me up. And because the reality is, it is not people, it's you. Every time I've created an unfruitful relationship in my home, I look at my life and I discover that my relationship with the Lord is not intact. If you're having problems, I don't care who you are. If you came here, and you know how we are, you know, sometimes we'll be riding the church. I don't like you. Oh, you ain't no good. I can't stand you. And as soon as we get out of the car, praise the Lord. (laughs) That's a relationship with the Lord. It's just not fruitful. You're not producing anything. You're not connected. And so, listen, and so, and so what I want to say about this, you know, as I looked in this verse, I, I had too much information in here. But see, the, there are two phrases that are so critical. It says, Jesus says, remain in me. And then he says, apart from me. Options. You can choose to remain in Jesus. And the result is you'll bear much fruit. Or you can choose to be apart from Jesus. And in that position, you can do nothing. You can remain or be apart. And so the question, godly men, that you must answer today is whether you are going to remain in Jesus or that you're going to get connected to Jesus or that you're going to live a life apart from Jesus. And that's why this first point, can I tell you what I named this first point? You're going to love this. I named this first point, if we're going to stay on course, we must be connected to the source. Oh, isn't that good? Did you like that? If we're going to remain on course... We must be connected to the source. 
Because it is Jesus who, who we are remaining in, and it's Jesus who's going to keep us on course. i got to hurry up. So let me tell you this real quick, real quick. And see, and when I say, the word I like in here is remain. That's what, isn't that great? Because remain is not like, okay, well, I go to church every Sunday. You're going to still have a lousy marriage. Oh, well, you know what? I'll go to the church and I'll go to Bible study. You're going to still have a lousy morning, a marriage. Oh, well, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to go to Bible study and then I'll join the men's group. You're going to still have a lousy marriage. Well, I will wake up every morning and have a 15-minute devotion. I'm going to go to church three times a week and you're still going to have a lousy marriage. That's what Remain says. Because Remain does not mean to compartmentalize your spiritual journey. When you walk with Jesus, you walk with Jesus 24-7. Moment by moment, minute by minute, Second by second. Let me tell you what it looks like. You wake up and all of a sudden early in the month, beep, alarm clock goes off and suddenly guess what you say? Good morning, Jesus. I look forward to walking with you today. And so Jesus is sitting right, come on, Jesus, let's go take a shower together. Jesus goes in and he washes your back. Oh, you look good now, squeaky clean. And so, then, oh, Jesus, thank you so much. Then you, you look at your wife and your wife's walking in. She didn't have any makeup on. She hadn't brushed her teeth. And you look at her and say, baby, let me put some toothpaste on your toothbrush and bless you this morning. Because why? Jesus is with you. Then you go in and you say, okay, let me go down and I'm going to cook for my kids. And then the, the kids are coming, okay, and you over flipping pancakes. Jesus, what do you think? Because he's right there with us. That's what it means to remain in him all the time. And you're flipping pancakes because you want to show out for Jesus, right? And so you cook pancakes, you get the kids. Kids don't like them, but you cook them anyway. And so you finally feed them, get them up, tell them to get dressed. And so, oh, baby, well, listen, I got to go. And so you, you run out, you jump in your car, lady backs out, almost hit your car. You look at and say, you, Jesus, how you doing? And, and so, and so the, all of a sudden, your patience kick in. And you say, okay, Jesus, I'm cool. I can handle that. And so you drive by, come on out, ma'am. And go, you can lead me out. And so you lead you out. You run into work. How y'all doing? The boss said, I got bad news for you today. What kind of bad news do you have for me today? Well, we got to let you go. What? You got to find me today? Wait a minute. You for all this hard work I put in for all these years. And so you, excuse me, I need to go to the bathroom. And you go into the bathroom, get in your stall and say, Jesus. You got my back. I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to be out of control because you've got my back. And so you walk out and look at the boss and say, boss, guess what? Give me my termination power. I'll take a little severance pay just to tie it for a little bit. But I got a person who's already got me a job in line because I trust Jesus. And he's with me. You go home and you tell your wife, I lost my job. She said, what, what are we going to do? Trust Jesus. He's with us. I'm in him right now. We're going to trust him. Well, 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 aren't you in a bad mood? No. That's how I trust Jesus. Your kids come home, guess what? Kids, I lost my job. What are we going to do? Trust Jesus. And all of a sudden, you see this presence of Jesus. Every move you make, it's with Jesus. And what Jesus is saying, when you create that environment in your home, it's gonna, your home's going to be out of this world. You see, guys, your real issue is not your spouse, it's not your psychiatrist, it's not your pastor. It's your relationship with Jesus. And Jesus says when you abide in him, when you're connected to him, the byproduct is you're going to bear much fruit. Let me hear up. I got another thing I want to tell you. Well, I got a whole lot of stuff I want to tell you, but I got to uh, uh, shut, it, shut it down. So listen. But then, listen to what he said. Isn't that some great theology? 
to God in Jesus. Oh, my goodness. You do that, brothers, and you're going to bless everybody in this church. But then my next principle is, I, I wrote this down. I said, I'll, it says, our behavior is caught, not taught. Oh, isn't that good? No, no, that's good. So, 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 so the first, second thing God teaches us is this. Be fruitful, increase in number, or multiply. That's the second step God gives in the commands. Now, here's the key why you want to have a good family. He says that when you increase in number, now listen to this carefully. Notice the order. He said, be fruitful, then multiply. He, no, no, you never multiply until there's fruit in the relationship. Because you're going to now bring in children. For 18 years, they're going to be watching you. They're going to be watching how you treat your wife. They're going to be watching how you control your anger. They're going to be watching how kind you are to people and your family. They're going to be watching everything you do. And for 18 years, you are going to be training and mentoring them how to go out into the world and impact the world for Jesus. And at the end of 18 years, whoever you were, that's what they're going to be. That if you were a person who's moody and lose control and nasty and disrespectful, guess what you're going to have walking out your house? You're going to have nasty, moody, disrespectful, angry chick children walking out of your house. I had a woman come to me one time. You know what this woman said? Pastor? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I tell you what, I don't know what's going to be. I don't know why my little crackpot grandson is acting the way he's acting. I said, Really? She said, what you think? I said, you don't want to know. <laughs> she said, what you think? He's just a little crackpot. I said, really? She said, tell me what you think. Why do you think he acts that way? I said, because he's got a grandmama who's a crackpot. <laughs> and it just filtered right on down to him. Your children are crackpots, and now your grandchildren are crackpots. You see, that's what they do. They watch you. They watch your behavior. And let me tell you, if your behavior will not be acceptable to your children, you better get connected to the Father and change your behavior so that by abiding in him, and you're going to change generations in your life. Amen. I'm looking at that clock, you know, I'm just trying to be a good steward of the time. And so, because I do want to give a challenge to the men today. I mean, so, and so that's why I'm looking. You see, guys, let me tell you, it's just too much at stake. Because some of you, you know what you say? You're saying, Ricky, wait a minute. I'm too busy to really have a, this great connected relationship with the Father. I'm too busy. I get that. Man, I got so much work to do. I'm trying to pay the bills. I'm trying to pay for the car and the house. I'm trying to do all these wonderful things. I got too much to do, Rick. There's just too much on my plate. You come home late, spend minimal time with your family, dishonor them once you get there, get frustrated because you've been led by everybody. And guys, you don't understand this, but you're blowing it. You are blowing it. Guys, these children are watching you. They're waiting for a daddy who's going to come home and love them unconditionally. They're waiting for a guy who's going to come home and treat their wives, their mothers, and their mother respectfully. You cannot blow this time because the reality is you are the author of a generation. 
Guys, you know, I don't have any more time left, but I, gotta, I, want, I, want, I want to challenge you today. Amen. I just, I had four points. You know, I didn't even get through two. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I'll do that next time. You know, I'll do part B next time. But listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> listen to me. Be fruitful. Guys, I believe that God was looking at him right in the eye when he said it. Then multiply. But don't multiply unless you're fruitful. The reason why our inner cities are in the shape that they're in is I, watch, I see it all the time. Unfruitful parents having babies, they're multiplying. And there's not fruitfulness. And so you wonder why they hang out on the corner all night and you wonder why they smoke weed and they sell their bodies to become unfruitful parents. But you know, that's not just for the inner city, that's here too. You only, see, you can dress it up and clean it up and make it look pretty. That's the only, that's the only difference. You can move in a nice house and kind of cover it up. But the reality is behind, the, behind your back doors. How does it look? Are you fruitful? What are they looking at? What are your children looking at? What is it that your wife is living in? Well, guys, I brought a challenge here for you. You say, Rick, what do I do? Guys, it's time for you to really begin to, to look at yourself. That's what I had to do. I had to take a hard look at myself and say, how in the world do I want to be remembered by my wife? How in the world do I want to be remembered by my children? I don't want to be remembered as, oh, he was a big football player. I don't want to be remembered as, oh, man, he provided for the children. I want to be remembered as a godly man. I want to be remembered as a man that every morning he was intentional about abiding in Jesus. I want them to say that, you know, my dad was on his, on his knees and I heard him praying for me. I want him to remember to say, you know, dad got in God's word and it was just at all the time he was asking us questions and he was trying to raise us up to fear God like never before. That's who my dad is. What about you? Are you going to keep going and doing the same old thing? Sabotaging your family? Are you going to just take Jesus' advice? I said, Jesus, it's time for me to connect with you. Let me give you a couple of suggestions and I'm going to walk off the stage. You see, guys, anytime you've created an unhealthy environment, I believe there needs to be repentance. First John 1 John 1.8, if, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of sin and all of your unrighteousness. So I believe that anytime you've created an environment, I believe your first step is to say, God, I'm sorry. I have not created the environment in my home that you've called me to create. I believe that's your first step. But I think there are a couple more steps that are critical. Guys, I just, and I think you need to just step up. You need to look at your wife and say, you know what? I've got to change the way I treat you. I've got, I am responsible because I'm telling you, at the end of life, when God stands before the two, he's going to look you, man, in the eye and say, what kind of environment did you create for my babies? I think you ought to apologize. Hey, I've been arrogant. I've been moody. I've been argumentative. You need to apologize. And you need to ask your wife for forgiveness. And I think you also need to ask your children for forgiveness. I've not been the leader I should have been. You need to be honest and say, I did not handle these situations well. And you need to ask your children. And, and, and tell your children, from this day forward, you can expect a different man in this house. Because you're going to have a different leader, and his name's Jesus. And I know that when I connect with Jesus, it's going to turn the tables in my house.
gosh, you've got to man up. Stick your chest out. Take them out and confess and apologize. And God's going to turn your marriage upside down. Not because of a therapist. Now, I do believe in counseling. I had to go to a whole lot. I'm a crackpot too, you know. And so I had to go to a lot, and I think you should go to them if you need. You know, I just think men need to go and work through our old past issues. Therapists are good. But guys, a therapist is not the source. Jesus is the source. And you've got to keep that in perspective. And so guys, what are you going to do? Are you going to continue to go along with this old dry, dull, ugly marriage? Wife doesn't like being in it. You don't like being in it. Are you going to say, God, it's time for me to stand up and turn this thing around? Listen, I'm going to take a shot here. I'm going to take a chance. If you're standing here today, brothers, I'm going to ask you. I want to pray for you. That's why I come. And if you say, Rick, you know what? I just need prayer. Would you just stand up on your feet? Just stand up. And you know who you are. Just stand up on your feet and say, it is time for me to turn this thing around. Just stand up on your feet, guys. No shame to our game. Just be a man. Man up. Stand up on your feet and say, it's time for me to go in a different direction. I am not going to be, it is not acceptable anymore for me to have a, a horrible environment in my house. It is no longer acceptable for my wife to be struggling in a relationship. It is no longer acceptable. And this day forward, a new man is coming into this house. I am going to be intentional about being the man that God called me to be. Yes, I listen, I don't know how to have a Bible study, but there are pastors in this church. I'll call them, I'll connect. I don't have a lot of friends, but there are brothers in this church. I'm going to get around me. There are conferences like Infusion that will help you get in and have a direction in your marriage, but I will no longer accept the garbage I've lived in anymore because God will hold you accountable. You know, in my heart, there are a few more men that need to stand up. Right now, in the name of Jesus, you trust Jesus, you stand. This is, a, this is a man's thing. Just be a man and stand up. Own our issues and own our pain and own our problems and own our, and take responsibility of what God called us to. If your wife is near you, would you just grab her hand? Just grab her hand. Just as a sign that, baby, it's going to be different. Godly man's going to make it different. When you get home, you grab and you hug your wife. You hug your wife. You tell them it's going to be different. The way I treat your mama is going to change. I'm going to be a servant. I'm going to create a new environment in this home. That's what you're saying. Would you bow with me, brothers? I want to just stay, remain standing. I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for these godly men. And Father, so many of us didn't grow up with a great example of a father. And so the reality is, is many of us just winged it. You know, we just didn't have a clue what we were doing. We never had someone teach on the, of the purpose of the family. But Father, now you've taught us and we thank you. And we take responsibility for our marriages. We take responsibility for our relationship. We take responsibility for being your children and leading them the way you've called us to lead. And so, Father, even as we go to apologize to you, we say we're sorry. Forgive us, Father. We know that you're faithful and just to forgive us of all the mistakes we've made. Be with us as we go out and take our wives and children out to dinner just to draw a new line and to say, listen, I'm raising the bar. 
I'm not go- I've got to get me some free hours so that I can spend with my babies. I've got to free up my hours. I'm not going to be working overtime all the time. God, I've got to have time. I've got to make you a priority in my relationship. I submit and commit these brothers to you, Jesus, and I thank you for them. I thank you for their courage, even just to stand up. To you be glory, to you be honor, to you be praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Ladies, give the brothers a round of applause. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. You're now dismissed. Amen. You're dismissed. <laughs>